And just want to take a second and thank Policy Genius. They're supporting today's episode of Success Story. I know we all have kids. We all have families we want to take care of. And I personally check something off major on my to-do list, life insurance. It's a tough topic. It's really hard to think about, but it's so important. And the hard part was sorting through all the options. Luckily, I found Policy Genius. Policy Genius is an online insurance marketplace that makes getting life insurance surprisingly easy. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for a million dollars of coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. Now, knowing my family's protected brings me incredible peace of mind. Don't put off this important decision. Check life insurance off your to-do list in no time with Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com or click the link in the description to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. Welcome to Success Story, the most useful podcast in the world. I'm your host, Scott D. Clary. The Success Story podcast is part of the HubSpot Podcast Network. The HubSpot Podcast Network has other great podcasts like Marketing Made Simple, hosted by Dr. J.J. Peterson. Marketing Made Simple brings you practical tips to make your marketing easy and more importantly, make it work. Now, if any of these topics sound interesting to you, you're going to love his show, how to write and deliver captivating speeches, how to market yourself into a new job, how design can help and potentially hurt your revenue, and how to create a social media ad strategy that works. If these topics hit home and they're things that you want to learn about, go listen to Marketing Made Simple wherever you get your podcasts. Today, my guest is Spencer Raskoff and Sophie Raskoff. Spencer and Sophie Raskoff, father, daughter, they are the co-founders of the app Recon Food, which is a new vertical social media app that brings people together through a shared love of food. Now, if you've heard Spencer's name before, it's because he has had an incredible career. He co-founded Picasso with Austin Allison to democratize access to second home ownership. He is a serial entrepreneur. He also co-founded Zillow and Hotwire. He was CEO of Zillow for over a decade. He is passionate about company culture, and at Zillow, he created and maintained a culture that frequently won awards from places like Fortune's Best Places to Work, Glassdoor, and the Seattle Times. He is on the board of advisors for Pledge LA, a coalition working to increase diversity, equity, and community engagement in LA's tech community. He is also an angel investor and advisor to venture capital firms. He is on the board of Palantir. He founded and is chairman of Dot LA, a new site focused on LA's uh, startup scene. Uh, previous to all of his tech and web career experience, he worked as an investment banker at Goldman Sachs and in private equity at TPG capital. Now, his daughter is equally as impressive. She is the co-founder of Recon Food. She is a software engineer. She is 16 years old. She leads all the product iterations, uh, the PR, marketing, software development of Recon Food, which she's built from the ground up while attending high school full-time. And now they have active users, they have community, and they're scaling incredibly fast. This is something that they've put together uh, over the course of the pandemic. So I spoke with Spencer and Sophie. We spoke about the origin story of Recon Food as well as some of their experiences. Obviously, Sophie's going through high school, but all the different entrepreneurial activities, communities, and clubs she's formed and championed in high school all the way through to her starting her own app with her father. We also spoke about Spencer's background, uh, some lessons that he's learned building Hotwire, Zillow, uh, uh, co-founding Picasso, co-founding .la, and then, of course, co-founding um, Recon Foods. 
We speak about social media, uh, what social media 1.0 is with the Twitters and the Facebooks and the Instagrams, uh, why social media is so negative, the current state of social media, and what problem Recon Food is looking to solve as a vertical-specific social media application. Uh, We spoke about entrepreneurial traits, habits, uh, lessons for new founders. We spoke about the family dynamic, them working together, the benefits of working with somebody as close as your daughter or father, maybe some of the drawbacks uh, of working with somebody who's that close to you. Um, And then we spoke about the future of uh, social media and how vertically driven positive social media with the right optimization. So optimizing for community, optimizing for positive engagement is going to be what social media looks like in the future and how Sophie and Spencer hope to accomplish that. So some great entrepreneurial lessons. We spoke a little bit about social media, some just great uh, business building lessons from the ground up. And then of course, the dynamic between the two of them is incredible. So let's jump right into it. This is Spencer and Sophie Raskoff. They are the co-founders of Recon Food. So I'm a, currently a student. I'm a junior at a high school in Los Angeles. Uh, I grew up in Seattle and we moved to Los Angeles when I was coming into sixth grade. So I really spent a lot of years growing up in both cities. And that was super interesting to me because Seattle is such a techie community and there's Amazon, Microsoft, all these large software companies and large businesses. Uh, so that created a really interesting environment to grow up in. And then of course, LA is this center of media and now also tech and business and entrepreneurship. So sort of getting to see both sides of the the story um, throughout the founding years of my life has been super interesting. Uh, I got involved with entrepreneurship probably, I'd say mostly through my school. Obviously, it's been a huge part of my life forever for as long as I can remember. Uh, and sort of the first steps I took in that direction were joining and helping to found at my middle school, the high school's equivalent of our entrepreneurship organization. So I run that program now, but at the middle school, they didn't have a branch. So I essentially started it there. I brought in speakers to inspire myself and my peers, um, helped coordinate a club program where we could all meet together. So that was sort of my first experience in entrepreneurship, I'd say myself. Um, And that was an awesome experience. I lead that program now. And then obviously now I've founded Recon Food, which is a vertical social media network for food. So that's my first big entrepreneurial venture myself. But I've had had a few lemonade stands, perfume businesses back in the day as well, of course. I'm I'm curious because you've lived in a household where um, I was, you know, listening to a few podcasts before this, if I'm not mistaken, your, your mom is a doctor, right? Uh, Spencer, mm-hmm. your wife is a doctor. Yeah. And then you've obviously, you know, you're, you're the typical entrepreneur turned investor, venture capitalist. So what prompted you to move in one direction versus maybe uh, something that seems like to most people a more traditional or stable or, or less chaotic career path? Because if you've been around your dad, if you've been around your dad, obviously it's not all like butterflies and sunshine yeah. and rainbows when you're building these companies. And it's a, it's a lot of hard work too. Yeah, I mean, I think that's one of the things that draws one of the things that draws me in. Honestly, is just that chaotic but enjoyable lifestyle. Um, I'm a big problem solver. I love tackling challenges, working with teams. I do a lot of activities at my school that sort of give me the same skill set, or that I like to think give me the same skill set. Where I'm leading a team, working with others, trying to solve problems, often working under a deadline. So. 
that's been um, another great part of my school experience is getting to try all these things and balance all these different um, balls up in the air. And I really enjoy it. So I think that's one thing that draws me in is just exactly what you described as that chaotic unstableness. Um, I think you're also very creative. I mean, there, there's, there's an important side of entrepreneurship that sometimes gets missed, which is the creativity and the, you know, the building, the creating something new from whole cloth. And you've always been interested in art. You've always been a builder. And, um, you know, medicine has a lot of other attributes as, as, uh, you know, my wife and, and many other doctors would tell you, but I think entrepreneurship tends to be a little bit more of a creative pursuit. And, and Spencer for, for yourself. So walk me through, and, and maybe you can even tee up a little bit of, of your origin story. Cause if people don't know who you are, they definitely know the companies that you've built. Um, but tee up your origin story and then also help me understand, uh, where you're at in your career and why you wanted to start this with your daughter, because you, you could have just pointed her down the right path. And I'm sure there's a lot of people in your network that could have helped her out and you didn't have to be actively involved, but this is a very conscious decision, obviously. So walk me through that. Yeah. Well, um, I mean, I'm passionate about what we're doing at recon food as well. So I'm, uh, you know, it's, it's very much a, something that, that I'm excited about working on too, not just about helping Sophia with an entrepreneurial uh, endeavor. But to back up my origin story, um, like Sophia, I started, I, I grew up uh, the first portion of my young life in a different city. I grew up in New York and then I moved to LA at about the same time that Sophia moved to LA. So I grew up in, you know, with a foot on, on both coasts and then started my career in investment banking at Goldman Sachs, learned a lot about finance and Wall Street, but decided it wasn't for me. Moved to San Francisco in 1999 at the beginning of the first internet boom and tried my hand at private equity doing leveraged buyouts and didn't find that inspiring. And so my first startup was a company called Hotwire, which I helped co-found in 1999. It was an early online travel company. And um, as you as you say, there are a lot of ups and downs. And, you know, that company was no exception. We almost went out of business several times. But we managed to survive uh, through the travel recession of 2001. In 2003, we sold the company to Expedia for about $700 million. And I moved up to Seattle to work at Expedia, the new parent company. Um, I was at Expedia for a year or two and got that entrepreneurial itch again, wanted to do another startup. And so I left Expedia to start Zillow in 2005. Uh, I took Zillow public in 2011, ran it for about 10 or 12 years. And about three years ago, uh, Zillow had become a very big company, thousands of employees, and it felt like it was time to leave and do something more entrepreneurial again. And I also wanted to be in L.A. and I wanted to move my family to L.A., where my wife and I are from. So we moved to Los Angeles and I started something called 75 and Sunny. And 75 and Sunny is my family office, so it's my, my personal venture capital firm. And I've made hundreds of investments through 75 and Sunny. And I've started a number of companies there, including Picasso, which lets you buy a portion of a second home. Um, and uh, several other startups, .LA, which is a news website that covers LA tech, and then most notably Recon Food, which uh, Sophia and I co-founded together, which is a vertical social network for people to reconnect over a shared love of food. So what I'm doing at this stage of my career is I'm investing, I'm advising, I'm mentoring, I'm involved in, in dozens of different companies, and I'm not CEO of any of them. Um, you know, I'm, I'm in the coaching stage of my career rather than the playing stage of my career, being on the field every day and suiting up for a game every day and getting, you know, beaten up and bruised <laughs> on the field is, is, um, is, is in my past. It's, that is all consuming. And, and that's in still, you know, so that's Sophia's present and future. 
but it's uh, it's sort of a, a young person's in, in endeavor. Young person's game endeavor. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and coaching is, is a different skill set, and um, uh, you know, and what I'm gravitating towards. towards you now. don't. You're, you never stopped. You never. You never stop being an operator to some extent. Like I mean, like you still. You still love. Obviously, love figuring it out. Love playing the game. Um, uh, yes, <clears throat> that's that is true. That for sure. For sure. Um, now, okay. So then, you you made a good point there. So. You you co-founded this company um, with Sophia. Sophia, you co-founded with your 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 dad. But obviously, you it's not just because it's like a father daughter. I wanted to help my daughter out. Like you are passionate about recon food. You both are obviously. So walk me through the origin story of the actual concept. Because yeah. outside of everything else, just starting another social media app is no small feat in and of itself. So walk me well, through that. Yeah. So I'll I'll sort of describe the first half sort of where we started and Sophie will describe where we ended. Um, so I've always been interested in the intersection of social media and individual verticals, sort of the unbundling of social media. And um, I was on the board of directors of TripAdvisor for many years. And like many people, I've used TripAdvisor through my whole life. And I've always wished that there was a social version of TripAdvisor so that if uh, you know, if you were coming to Los Angeles, of course you can you know, to figure out where to eat. You can look at a review site like TripAdvisor, but uh, better than that would be to see where your couple friends that you know and trust, where they enjoy to eat and hotels to stay at and activities to do in a given city. So I started uh, during early COVID uh, brainstorming on business ideas in and around that space. I have a social version of of a, a trip discovery product. And Sophia improved the, the idea immeasurably because of her expertise as a teenager in social media. So you can describe where we where we got to. Yeah. So we wanted to bring the idea a little bit more from that social trip advisor into, I'd say, better social media is the, the new category. Um, so doing a lot around trying to make social media less stressful, because especially during the pandemic, there was a lot of bad news online. There's a lot of really stressful topics and a lot of politics and noise and people yelling at each other. And it wasn't really a, a release. It wasn't an escape. It was just a really stressful environment. And so we brought the idea a little bit more towards trying to be a positive social media site where you can just go on to Recon Food and scroll for hours and just look at pictures of food and get to see what your friends are cooking, see what they're doing, where they're going to restaurants. And it's just so much more fun. It's so much less stressful than seeing whatever noise is happening on the broader social media networks. Um, that makes sense. I think that it's an inc it's a smart idea. It's it's a novel. It's it's a good idea to have more positive social media experiences. Um, now it seems like. I don't think there's many, well, maybe correct me if I'm wrong. The other people that have tried to do this successfully would be like a, a Yelp, correct? That would probably be the, the closest thing I can think of that's a, a sort of like a um, non, like a, like a what's, what is the word you use? You use, you use like a, a vertical, a vertical focus social network, basically. That's, that's probably the main one that I can think of. Well, so, I mean, what we're building is is more of a, a food community than a review site. So about half of the posts on Recon Food are home cooking, and okay. about half are people that have eaten out at restaurants. Yeah. And so video and photos of, of people that love food and just want to kind of relax and, and think about food and talk about food. So think more of a food community. 
Yeah, during the pandemic, as we were sort of bonding over food as our family, so we were home cooking a lot, we were all missing our favorite restaurants, we definitely brought the app more towards just food in general, because we wanted to share as well what we were cooking. And honestly, Instagram didn't really feel like the right place for that, because it can feel a little awkward to post what you're cooking every single night on Instagram, especially if you feel like there are more important things going on, or if your food isn't good enough. So we also just personally wanted to create that space where we could share what we're cooking and what's in our kitchen with our friends. So that's sort of how the app switched from being about travel to being about food overall and in general. And that's where we sit right now. Um, what I actually, so I, I agree with that. So actually what I meant, what I meant was not that you were emulating Yelp. I was just trying to draw a parallel and I guess it wasn't a great parallel, but I guess my point was, has anybody ever done something like this before? Like vertical driven yeah. social media that's done, been done very well. In other verticals, yes. So All Trails, for example, is a vertical social network for hiking. Um, Strava is a vertical social network for running. Um, uh, Fitbit or Peloton are vertical social networks for other types of exercise. Um, uh, LinkedIn. Uh, LinkedIn is a vertical social network for your career. Uh, but you know, Strava is a perfect example. Like you could post your run, like on Instagram, but it would be odd, you know, especially if <laughs> your feed in Instagram is all about, you know, you see news about climate change and the war in Ukraine and social justice and all these things that are in the news, which is what a lot of our social feeds are on an Instagram or a TikTok now, it would be strange for you to be boasting about your five mile run, you know, in the midst of that on Instagram, for example, but on Strava, where there is a community of people that are there to cheer you on about your exercise, it makes perfect sense. And so, you know, that's a really good analogy for what we're trying to do at Recon Food. Um, you know, I'll post, a, you know, a, a, a big cupcakes or you bake cupcakes this weekend, right? And you post them on Recon Food. But Instagram was pretty heavy on Sunday, you know, when you were making those cupcakes um, because there were a lot of terrible things happening in the world. And um, Recon Food is meant to be a respite from all that, a place where you can just bring social media back to where it, where it was 15 years ago when it was just people sharing baby pictures on Facebook and times were simpler and social media wasn't, uh, you know, wasn't the noisy, um, uh, scary place yeah. that, uh, that it is today. And do you think that, do you think that this is the future of social media, these vertically driven, um, communities? I, I do. Um, I'm investing in, in that thesis, True, and, yeah, that's you know, fair. starting other companies in and around that space. I think that, um, there will only be a handful of categories that are big enough and vibrant enough to support this. Uh, athletics is, is clearly one of them. You know, there are a number of, of companies, as we mentioned, already succeeding in that space. I think food is another space that's big enough. Clearly, your career uh, is is a space that's big enough. So, um, you know, but there, there are other categories where there's so much content already in that category on TikTok or Instagram that, um, you know, it, it might not justify a separate dedicated vertical for it. Why don't you describe also one of the other advantages of vertical social networks is building features specific to the category. Totally. So with vertical social media networks, you can build features that are specific to that uh, that app, that topic. So for example, Strava is an excellent uh, doer of this where you they build features where you can track your run inside the app. So instead of just posting a picture of you on your run like you would on Instagram, you can track the run in Strava, it gives you all those stats, and then you can post that to share with friends. So Instagram's never gonna build a run tracking feature because that's not what their app is for, but that is what Strava is for. So with Recon Food, we've managed to do the same and build similar features. 
A few features we've built have been a recipe feature, so you can link a recipe directly to a post, either a link to an external website or a picture of your recipe. Additionally, we've built a map feature, so you can look at the map and see every restaurant that your friends have posted in a given area, wherever you are. So that's a really interesting feature to me because I love looking at restaurants that are wherever I am, especially if I'm traveling. That's something I hope to do more in the future as we get back to travel. Um, (laughs) But that's another fun feature that I love that we've built. And then lastly, I'd say collections. So you can save posts into a collection, which will save on your profile. It's sort of a combination of highlights and save posts on other Mm -hmm. platforms where you can add it to a public collection on your profile of, for example, recipes you want to make or your favorite restaurant so that your friends can see those, but you can also store those in a location. So yesterday somebody posted um, the ribs that they made in their pressure cooker. I don't know this person, but I know them on recon. And I thought that was, that was super cool and it looked delicious. And so I saved it into a collection that I have of things I will, uh, things I intend to make, things I will try to make. They got a notification that I just posted their, or I put their post into my collection. Everyone can see publicly my collection of things that I intend to make. You know, meanwhile, over on Instagram, people were, you know, upset about all of the uh, all the challenges in Europe and uh, you know and and Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Of course. And it would be a very strange place for me to be talking about the ribs that I'm excited to cook. I I love it and. But the, 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 so I love, I love the, I love the concept. It makes a lot of sense. Obviously, um, you're building this community now that is food focused, very positive community. It's, it's hyper focused on one particular, um, on one particular topic. How do you, what are, what are some of the best ways that you found to grow that community? Because I think some of the lessons that you've learned building out a vertical, uh, social media app and building that community around, around recon, um, I feel like that's something that a lot of people should learn from because I've always found that building community is the best way to build a business, whether or not it's it, it's actually in the app or it's around the product. If you can build a strong community, you can build any company. So I think that you've probably had to hyper-focus on that because community is really the core of what you do. That's what will make the app successful. Well, this is the hardest part of any startup. Uh, you know, the, the easy part actually is building the product, building the feature yeah. set. Getting people to use it, that's that's a whole other thing entirely. Um, so the way that the ways in which we're growing recon food are, first of all, iterating on the product so that the people that use it today love it and hopefully tell others about it. So, you know, we've been heads down since we launched six or more months ago, adding features. You know, we added video, we added a mapping feature, we added collections. We've been building out the feature set so that we just improve the user retention and, and hopefully the virality. Um, we've been doing a lot of PR, uh, podcasts like this and, and news articles, uh, writing about vertical social media and recon food. Uh, we've been doing in-person food events, uh, where we are, uh, you know, at, at farmers markets and at, at food courts and, um, telling people about the app and why they should check it out. Uh, we're doing partnerships with food influencers on social media. Um, I think my favorite way that we've grown though, has been through people inviting their friends. 
And we've seen it happen a little less often than we'd like, just because some people actually prefer the anonymity of the recon food community over having their friends there, actually, because mm -hmm. they feel like the feedback that they get is more genuine. Your friends are obligated to tell you that your food looks good, but <laughs> random strangers you meet on the internet typically aren't obligated to do that. So that's something great about the community that we've built um, that is actually prohibiting people from inviting their friends. So another thing that we have found is that many people are inviting their friends because they're in a friend group chat where they all share their meals or they're in a work Slack channel where they all share what they cook. So there's been ways like that where we've been able to tap into people who are sharing their food just with friends because they don't have a better solution to do it on a social media network and try to convert those users. Okay, that makes sense. And then with as you as you grow this community, um, from a business perspective, if you're building up this community, uh, what's what's your version of of turning this into a into a successful business model? How do you monetize this? Is this because I think that if people hear another social media network or another social media app, um, people are already concerned about um, how existing social media apps have technically, you know, monetize all their data and whatnot. So yeah. to introduce the same concept, is that concerning to people? Or have you figured out another way to monetize it? Is it um, something that maybe um, anyway, I, I'm just curious, yeah. because that would be the main concern for me launching something new that people are so adverse to, to, uh, you know, seeing more ads or whatnot. So we don't have monetization in the service today. Uh, but one of the other benefits of vertical social media is that you can monetize in ways other than simple advertising, which is how most social media advertise, most social media apps monetize because you're closer to a vertical specific transaction. So when we monetize at Recon Food, for example, I think the two most logical ways to monetize will be um, uh, charging for booking, charging the restaurant for a reservation booking. So integrating with reservation services like a resi or an open table and charging an affiliate fee on that booking. Because if you're looking at a restaurant with all your, which all your friends have posted photos from and you now want to make a booking there, that's a logical place to build an, an in-app uh, restaurant booking service. Um, likewise, food delivery. Um, again, integrating directly with the transaction, providing value to the user so they can do in-app um, connectivity to food delivery services, also benefiting the restaurant by driving them more business. Um, you know, Those are two commerce-related ways to, to build um, build monetization in the app. So I think that's where the direction will go. The first order of business is getting tens of millions of people to use the app first. Um, you know, once we have, um, and that's, that's the playbook that we followed at Zillow as well. Like, you know, we didn't focus on monetization for the first couple of years. That's if that's generally, I think the best way to build a consumer, uh, consumer service is to build audience first and then, um, add monetization later. I know a lot of entrepreneurs listen to this show and NetSuite has been a huge supporter for entrepreneurs, for business owners, because there's one thing that we all know. Business is about making money and it's about your bottom line. And the less you spend on the nuts and bolts of running your business, the more profits you keep. But these days, everything is costing more. Supplies, people, shipping. It squeezes your margins. And I've been there juggling multiple systems for finance, inventory, you name it. Each with its own costs and its own set of headaches. That's why I made the switch to NetSuite by Oracle. It's changed our company. Think about it. NetSuite is one of the top financial systems out there. It puts your whole business on one platform, accounting, finance, the works, one data source for everyone. There's no more mismatched info. And because it's in the cloud, it slashes your IT costs. No more servers, no more updates. Just access NetSuite from anywhere. With one integrated suite, your overhead drops big time. And here's the real win. Efficiency. Everything's connected in NetSuite. 
costs are ridiculous lately. Find a proven way to reduce your expenses and get better performance out of your team. It's a no-brainer, and that's what NetSuite offers. Over 37,000 companies have figured this out already. You have to join them. Right now, through to April 15th, NetSuite's got an incredible, flexible financing plan. Check it out and see the savings yourself at netsuite.com slash Clary. That's netsuite.com slash Clary. Hiring as a small business owner is a major pain. That's why LinkedIn is supporting today's episode. You need people with the right skills and experience, but finding them can take forever. It is incredibly frustrating to keep seeing candidates who just aren't a good fit, and that's why LinkedIn Jobs has been a game changer. Let me tell you a little story. We needed to hire a graphic designer, somebody with specific tech and software knowledge and the ability to truly understand our brand. And I started with all the usual job boards, and it's the same old story. Tons of irrelevant applications. No one's really matching my needs. I tried LinkedIn jobs and the quality of candidates was just on another level. People with impressive portfolios, relevant expertise. I finally felt like I was interviewing the right people. That's truly the power of LinkedIn's massive professional network. You're tapping into this huge pool of talent you simply wouldn't find on other sites. It's about finding those niche candidates you actually need. And with the right people in front of you, hiring becomes a breeze. Did you know that 86% of small businesses find a qualified candidate on LinkedIn jobs within 24 hours. That is how well their system works. Honestly, do yourself a favor and try LinkedIn jobs next time you're hiring. You can post your job for free at linkedin.com slash excellence. That's linkedin.com slash excellence. Terms and conditions apply, but it's definitely worth trying out. I don't know about you, but the idea of being harassed, scammed, or even worse, all because somebody found my personal information online, that's terrifying. Our political opinions, our addresses, even stuff about our families, it's out there for anyone to grab. And did you know that data brokers are allowed to sell information on over 98% of Americans? It's scary stuff. That's why I've partnered with Delete Me. I personally use Delete Me. They're a big friend of the podcast because I put myself out there online. So safety is a huge concern. It's really scary how easy it is to find someone's details and information. But Delete Me creates a layer of protection that we all need. You tell Delete Me what you want gone and they make it disappear from those sketchy data broker sites. And Delete Me doesn't stop. They constantly monitor the web to keep your information off those lists. It's like having a privacy watchdog that never sleeps. You need to take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me. They're giving a special discount for all Success Story podcast listeners. Get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeletemecom slash success and use promo code success at checkout. The only way to get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash success and enter code success at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash success. Hey everyone, I just want to take a second and thank the sponsor of today's episode, Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond Bourbon. Now I don't have a lot of liquor sponsors on this show. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond is actually one of my favorites. I've drank it for a few years now, and this is why we actually decided to work together. Heaven Hill Distillery, family-owned since 1935, is a great entrepreneur story, too. So there's five brothers. They filled their first whiskey barrels back in 1935, and their legacy still lives on today. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond is aged over seven years. That's three more than required by the Bottled and Bond Act of 1897. This means the best quality, the best purity, and the best consistency. This is not just average bourbon. It's the winner of the double gold medals at multiple 2023 World Spirits competitions, and they've won the very prestigious Triple Still Award. It's a very big deal in the liquor and bourbon world. 
Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond boasts an exceptionally smooth oak flavor, while its aroma offers a sweet blend of caramel and smooth vanilla. If you love bourbon, you need to try Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond. Available nationally, look for a bottle at your local store. Heaven Hill reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Think back to your last few days in the office. Did any of them leave you feeling really accomplished? Not the kind of day where you're running around like crazy, but where you've made real progress on something that matters. Because being busy doesn't always mean being productive. And I bet you we've all been there. And maybe it's time to rethink what it means to get things done. Today's episode is sponsored by Belay, and what they help you do is, instead of getting sucked into emails and to-do lists, they help you delegate tasks and focus on big goals. They can connect you with top-notch U.S.-based talent who are ready to take on those time-consuming tasks that bog you down. Let's be real. There are way more important things you could be doing than bookkeeping or wrangling a packed inbox. They have virtual assistants to handle all of those pesky administrative tasks or accounting professionals to take care of all your financials. But here's the best part. You don't have to waste weeks searching for the right person. Belay's personalized matching service works quickly, sometimes matching you with the right talent to take stuff off your plate in under a week. Are you ready to try a different way of working? Check out Belay's list of the top 25 things you can delegate to a virtual assistant. It might just change your business and your life. Text SUCCESS, that's S-U-C-C-E-S-S, to 55123 to get the list and to start transforming your to-do list with Belay. And and speak to me about the dynamic, um, the the family dynamic in building this out, because all the you know all the all the business lessons that you that you hear about, like the radical candor that you have to have, and all the all the difficult times that you would have in an early stage startup. Um, I'm I'm assuming that there's some benefits to working with family, but there's also some drawbacks because there's <laughs> a lot of emotion involved there too. Yeah. So. Yeah, I'd say the biggest benefit has been obviously living in the same house um, quite clearly. We both have incredibly busy schedules, busy lives, so we're able to often meet quite late at night or after the day ends or in the morning um, like it is now. So that gives us a little extra time to really uh, collaborate and catch up at the end of the night with new ideas, with new developments, anything else that we're working on. Um, I, I think another benefit, and yes, we'll, we will get to the disadvantages as well. Um, I, I think another benefit is, um, uh, you know, it's it's obviously a fun w- way to be working with my daughter and seeing this other side of her, and um, and and bring out, you know, and she sees another side of me. I think so. So that's yeah. valuable. I've also really enjoyed the diversity of our experiences and how I think that makes the product better. Um, you know, we talk a lot in tech about the importance of diversity, equity, and inclusion. And um, obviously, Sophie and I live under the same roof, but we're actually very diverse in age and um, and interest and experience. And so the perspective that almost 17-year-old brings from her worldview as it relates to social media, like the way she uses TikTok, Instagram, Snapchat is very, very different than someone in their late forties and how I use social media. And so it's a good reminder for me about the importance of diversity on teams and, uh, and how they bring different perspectives that can make products better. Some of the challenges of, of I was going to say, members. I was just wondering like, if <laughs> um, like, Sophia, do you ever have like issues like uh, telling your like telling you know, Spencer telling your dad when he's wrong? Like, is that like it's because I can see that could be a blocker, right? You know, Spencer, you have an incredible amount of experience. I'd be I'd be scared to tell you that you're wrong if you had an idea and I didn't like it. <laughs> I feel like 
I'm generally pretty all right with telling him Good. when I yeah. think that he's wrong. <laughs> we'll, we'll have some discussions like that where we disagree on something, but we're always able to come to sort of a, a reasonable conclusion somewhere in the middle. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, you push back plenty. Um, I, you know, I think <laughs> the, the, the right amount. I think actually yeah. it's, you know, and maybe it's it's her personality or our personalities together, but I think it's a pretty functional co-founder relationship on that regard. Um, uh, you know, similar to the co-founding relationship I have with with other startups where the CEO ultimately calls the shots and, and I'm providing a lot of advice and feedback and mentorship. But, um, you know, but it's a it's a relationship and a partnership that works well. Very good. So what are some what are some disadvantages to working together? <laughs> I think it's hard for me to take feedback sometimes because I really want to be doing my best and I want to be doing everything I can, but also I don't have enough time in the day to do everything I want to as a busy high school student as well. So there are definitely some things that fall off my plate where I have to push it to a weekend or push it to after school when I have something big coming up. Uh, and I think that's hard for me sometimes because I feel like I'm not doing 120%. I'm doing like 100% maybe. Uh, and I, so it's hard for me sometimes to take that feedback and hear that um, because I tend to agree with it, honestly. Uh, but it, there's not really anything I can do about that yeah. in the moment. Yeah. I mean, that's, I think that's, um, that's something that probably most startup founders feel at some point during their journey is this sense of, um, I guess, inadequacy, just sort of a sense that like, I'm, you know, it's like pushing a boulder up a hill. I mean, startups are hard. Startups are really, really, really hard and most of them fail. And we talk about that a lot. And, you know, that especially for a high achiever, whether it's a high achieving high school student like Sophia or a high achieving, you know, 20 something or 30 something year old, um, that takes guts and it's difficult to to um, absorb that. Um, so I, you know, I, I'm not sure if that's a, a challenge of, of working with family members, but it's, uh, you know, it's certainly a challenge of, of doing your first startup and, and of any startup, I guess, is just the difficult, the, the sense of like paralyzing, almost like I can't, you know, I can't find enough oxygen to fully yeah. take a deep breath because, um, you know, why isn't this thing succeeding the way I want it to? It's hard. Or moving as quick as you want it to. And it's, and it's, it's, it's difficult. Now I would say that. I actually, I, I think, Sophia, I think you're actually incredible because um, most of the founders that I speak with do not have a full-time school schedule to to stick to while they're building a startup. So how did you, I, I probably think there's lessons here that that you have figured out in your life that allows you to operate at, at the level that you're operating at that I don't even know, Spencer, if you were doing that when you started your first companies because I, I don't think I've ever met a, a founder who's a software engineer coding something you do have active users. You are scaling it out. You're still in high school. That's incredible. Like that's insane. I really don't know anyone who's ever done that at your age. So, um, speak to me about you know turning turning this side side hustle, this after hours project, into something that's tangible. How do you manage your schedule? How do you manage your energy? How do you how how do you um, yeah how do you build this after putting in eight hours at school? Well, last year when we started, we were start, oh, a year and a half ago when we started, I guess, um, now that it's been a while, uh, we founded this while COVID was still going on and our schools were still in quarantine. So I was okay. working or working from home, doing school from home on Zoom classes all day. So I had a bit more time, uh, flexibility, you no know, travel time, 
much significantly less after school activities um, that gave me the time to really start working on this. So I was definitely working nights and weekends and after school during whatever school breaks I could at the beginning. And then over last summer, I was obviously full time on recon food. So I was able to put in a lot more time, a lot more hours during the day. And that's obviously what we launched. So that was an incredible experience for me getting to finally give it my all. And I felt really good about that. And then obviously going back to school this year, I've had to cut back a little bit, but I'm still putting in work after school when I can during school. I'll often take meetings from school during my lunch period in a corner somewhere on campus. So it's definitely been a bit of a balancing act, but I think just because I'm so passionate about recon food and everything else that I do, I don't want to drop any one of those activities and I don't want to give anything less than my all to recon food. So because I'm so passionate about all of those things, it's much easier for me to balance because nothing feels like a, a chore or a hassle. I just want to take a second and thank the sponsor of today's episode, HubSpot. Now they don't call it the sales destination, it's a sales journey. And on that journey, you want the best tools and support to keep you and your customers connected every step of the way. HubSpot is an all-in-one CRM platform that is impossible to outgrow and ridiculously easy to use, meaning you never have to worry about it slowing you down. That's because HubSpot is purpose-built for real salespeople with real customers and real problems to solve. With customizable hubs and tools that you can add and subtract as you grow and an interface that's just as easy to use if you're a team of one or 1,000, HubSpot is built for you and your customers to grow together wherever the journey takes you. Learn how HubSpot can help your business grow better at HubSpot.com. Makes sense. And 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 help me understand one more thing, because this is obviously going to come up at some point if Recon Foods is successful. So speak to me about education. Like, what are your plans for university? Is it like you want to complete an undergraduate and then some? Or what's your opinion on it, Spencer? I'm also curious about your opinion, because you're seeing your daughter succeed in spite of in spite of following a traditional career path, just because she literally hasn't had a chance to get there yet. So what's what's the plan? I think for me, well, I'll definitely finish high school and graduating next year. Uh, obviously, senior year, I'll do college applications. I would like to complete an undergraduate degree at a four-year college uh, is my current plan. I don't think I'll immediately pursue a, a grad or graduate degree. Graduate, like a master's, MBA yeah. Or yeah. master's or anything like that. Um, that's not my current plan immediately, though something might change between now and then, obviously, five years away. Yeah. Um, I'm not really sure yet. I don't have a super solid plan. I think it's, <laughs> it definitely depends on where stuff goes. Yeah. I mean, I I think my wife and I would like you to finish college. <laughs> I would finish college, too. I just, yeah, I I just mean, ask because there's a lot of conversation about, like, traditional education yeah. and is it even worth yeah. it? And, like, what she's well, doing right now is incredible, too. It, it is. It is. I mean, I, um, uh, I mean, I think what you learn in college is, you know, is is really important in life. And it's not just the academics. It's not just what you learn in the classroom. I, certainly in my case, I feel like what I learned from my peers was even more important than what I learned from my classrooms. And uh, so that the, the problem solving, the uh, public speaking, the um, critical thinking that you learn in a liberal arts education, I think is will be really important throughout her career. It has been important throughout my career. Um, in the other important skill I think that you've learned that you're amazing at is time management, which is so important for any startup founder. Um, their most important, the company's most important asset is the CEO's time. And 
you, because you're so involved in, in academics and extracurriculars and recon food, you've acquired the ability to do incredibly effective time management at a young age, which is an important skill for any founder. And the other reason that um, I feel you've been able to balance all of this is we have a great team. I mean, to be clear, you know, Sophie and I are co-founders, but we have a team of 10 and it's an all remote team. We're able to do a lot of asynchronous work. And um, so, you know, you're on Slack, you're on GitHub, you're on, you're using different, uh, you're on Canva and, and um, um, uh, other collaboration services mm -hmm. with these folks, usually asynchronously and uh, obviously Slack all the time as well. And so through those tools and through our team, you're able to balance it all. Mm -hmm. Okay, that makes sense. And, and Sophia, for you, um, how did you learn to, how did you learn to code at such a young age? That's really my question that that, you, that that allowed you to. So so walk me through. So right now you're obviously co-founders. You do have a team. Sophia, what are, what are you actually doing in the company? You're you're a software engineer. You're coding. Um, did you build the MVP of the app, or or what's your what's your sort of um, what's your skill set, and how did you how did you master that so young? Yeah. So I've taken programming classes at my school uh, for oh since probably eighth grade. Um, so I've taken four Jesus. years of programming so now. <laughs> um, and of course, all this, the kids scratch coding I've done since even younger age. Um, so that gave me a foundation of knowledge, I'd say, to build off of. Um, I don't consider myself an expert professional level software engineer, but I feel like I have enough of an understanding to understand the basic building blocks of how stuff works. Um, we are working with the development team to help code the app itself. Um, but as far as when we were starting, I didn't end up coding an MVP of the app, but I definitely was involved in the initial product creation of drawing out page by page exactly what I imagined the app to look like. So definitely more product design yeah. and then working with our initial engineers to help give them that vision and help them work through what we want. And obviously that's changed a lot since then, but I've been incredibly involved in that stage working with them. And then you asked sort of more broadly what I do, a lot of product design, working with the development team, coming up with new features, uh, working a lot with our PR team to try to spread the word and see how we can um, spread the Recon Food name mm -hmm. and working with our social media and marketing teams to try to come up with new social initiatives and new ways to get people interested in the app and continue engaging our community. We're doing lots of fun challenges. We just finished one up at the end of December called Festive Foods, where if you posted something with that hashtag, you could be entered to win a sweepstakes. So lots of stuff like that, where we're trying to build the community and connect everyone, um, even if they don't know each other because it's an online community. You've also Makes done sense. a lot of user research, which informs the product development. So just, just speaking with our users and, and other prospective users about what they're looking for from social media and from, from a food network. Mm -hmm. And, and I know that obviously Spencer, you obviously through the companies that you've built your own experience, um, the entrepreneurs you've worked with, the people you've interviewed on your show, uh, you've had a lot of incredible, a lot of incredible I would say mentors, um, people that you've learned from, people that have probably learned from you. So when you're starting a company um, from the ground up, which obviously you're doing, what are the most important traits f to be a successful entrepreneur? What what are the what are the personality items that really sort of allow somebody to be successful that you've tried to teach over to your daughter or that you've seen other people um, you've seen other people have? 
the things I look for in a founder are, first of all, grit. So a sense of a, kind of a chip on your shoulder, like the, the fact that you really want to succeed and you're willing to go through, uh, overcome adversity and challenges. And so that's probably the most important thing in a founder. Um, founder product fit. So the founder's connectivity to the specific company. Yeah, there's no such thing as just a great founder. There's only a great founder specific to a startup idea. Sophia is the exact perfect founder for Recon Food. Um, my co-founder at Picasso is the exact perfect founder for Picasso. Uh, my co-founder at .LA is the perfect founder for .LA. So, you know, some connectivity between that founder and the problem that they're solving is critical. Um, usually the, an ability to raise money is very important. So that I, this is kind of an underappreciated attribute of entrepreneurship, but, uh, people need to be good at selling, you know, being a founder is always selling the company, whether you're selling it to a prospective candidate or pitching it to your existing employees to try to re-engage them or discussing it with the media or pitching the company to potential investors. Uh, you know, in technology, we tend to lionize software engineers and there's no question that a 10x software engineer is worth their weight in gold, but sales abilities are, are also very important in proselytizing one's company. And so that's something that I look for in a founder. Um, history of success. It can be in anything. And in, in if it's a, a first time founder like Sophia, it can be uh, academic success or extracurricular success. If it's a third or fourth time founder, you know, I just want to see some pattern recognition around them taking a problem and kicking the crap out of it um, and, and solving it and winning some track record of winning in anything that they've done. Those are some of the things I look for in a founder that I'm investing in or starting a company with. The one that uh, they, they, those are all great. Um, those are all great uh, things to look for. The one that I think that I want to, understand a little bit more, which is something that you mentioned with Sophia in particular, is that founder product fit. How do yeah. you find that? Because you can, I can, I can, I can understand grit and you can take, and you can sort of see if somebody has a chip on their shoulder. You can definitely gauge somebody's selling ability for sure. Um, but how do you find that product founder fit? How do you know if that's the right person for that particular industry or vertical or category? I usually ask the question, what would happen if I told you you couldn't pursue this startup idea for one reason or another? And, um, you know, one person said to me on uh, for the founder of Q, which is a, a way to discover streaming content. It's a, a social, a vertical social network for discovery of TV and film on streaming services. Uh, I, you know, I said, what if you couldn't pursue this idea? And he looked at me as like, I couldn't live with myself. Like I wake up every morning and I go to sleep every night completely obsessed with the fact that it's hard to figure out what to watch on TV. And I was put on this earth to solve that problem. And I will not rest until that problem is solved. And like, okay, well that, <laughs> that CEO clearly <laughs> has fit with his startup idea. Um, you know, it's just something but, that, but that's, that's, I, I want to challenge you on that. Cause that's passion. Okay. He's definitely passionate yeah. about it. Okay, so, you know? so you're, you know what, you're right. So then what skill set do they have yeah. that you layer on top of that passion, right? So in his case, he worked at Quibi and Snapchat and Bird, and his okay. prior experience has this combination of uh, of growth hacking and, and building viral products, which is what he did at Bird, uh, Quibi, where he helped build a streaming service, and Snapchat, where he helped build a social media uh, service. So you're right. Uh, it's the combination, I guess, of passion plus 
um, experience or qualifications, let's call it. it, doesn't even have to be experience, that is is the right combination. And uh, again, you know, I feel like Sophia has that because of her passion for both cooking, which she's always done since she was, you know, three years old, um, cooking and baking. And, you know, you'll find her in the kitchen every weekend messing around and experimenting and, you know, trying to make things and, and uh, kind of food hacking and her passion and interest in social media. And so, uh, you know, and then her qualifications, despite being a first time founder, are a track record of, of academic and extracurricular success. So you're, you're right. It's a well, combination of passion and qualifications. The, more on the experience rather than qualifications. I sort of liked when you said experience, because I feel like that also doesn't just mean professional experience, but definitely applies to lived experience. For me, part of the reason I feel so fit to tackle this problem is my experience with social media. It's been something that I've grown up on for the past, what, five, six years of my life now, I didn't really have a teenage life without social media. So that's pretty unique to me as a young founder, especially where I've seen the problems on social media. I've seen the fatigue that social media can cause. I've seen the stress that it can cause my friends and also that it causes me, honestly, the Mm -hmm. barrier of entry that it feels like, where it feels like everything on social media has to be absolutely perfect. So because I've understood those problems so deeply and because that's something that resonates with me quite strongly, I can then turn around and use those experiences for recon food to try to improve upon it. Is that something that, uh, is that something that increases the, this, the, the success rate of a founder when you're building products for yourself? Is that something that you've seen like, uh, to work very well? It doesn't have to always be that way, but um, you know, a deep understanding of the user persona is critical, and certainly one understands oneself really well. Um, but um, uh, but but yeah, it's it's definitely a commonality. Uh, if you're building for yourself, you know, you know that user better than anybody. And that's basic. That's what you're doing right now, like Sophia. Like that's a hundred percent what you're doing. Like the, the as you, as you speak through it, it makes a lot of sense. And actually, I've always found that the most successful entrepreneurs, and I don't have data points to back this, but I found the most successful entrepreneurs are the people that you know work in an industry for you know 10, 20 years, and they build a product that solves a problem in the industry they were just coming out of. And you've you've just done that at a much earlier stage. Like you've you've seen all the problems with social. You probably like you have a perspective that many people don't have. Um, of course, mm-hmm. we see it all, but I think that you've you've lived like social was evolving as as I was growing up. So I, mm-hmm. social is you you were not like thrown into it and saw and you see all the negative stuff ever since you first created your first Instagram account and you exactly. see all the bad that comes with it, right? Yeah, there are so many elements of this product that we really built for ourselves or that's something that I wanted to see in the world, right? The idea of a positive social media network where people are building each other up and you can scroll for hours on end and only see pictures of food sounds so pleasant to me. And the reason that, or one of the reasons that this started or that I was so pushed to wanna build something like this is that experience of social media being such a stressful and negative place. I can scroll through social media for hours, but I'll see a lot of stuff that makes me really stressed out, a lot of stuff that makes me feel bad about myself. And it's just not a pleasant place anymore. When I open Instagram at the end of the night, it's not, fun, happy stuff. It's just clicking through because I feel like I have to click through every story. So because of that negativity associated with social media and the lack of positivity and stress relief, it sort of feels like it's gone away from its roots. And so sort of back to the thesis of the future of social media, which we kind of touched on earlier, I definitely see two things. I see the vertical social media networks for vertical specific verticals where you can dive so deep into that vertical without having to have stuff get crowded and also personal connection 
I love Snapchat. It's a social media tool that I use quite often. And this isn't to say that I don't use Instagram. I definitely do. Um, but I definitely prefer Snapchat for communicating with my friends because at least the way that I use it, I'm DMing or chatting my friends directly. I'm sending them individual things and pictures. It feels much more personal and it allows me to feel much more connected with them where Instagram is just such a large audience. I have what, 800, 600 something followers, but I don't feel connected with any one of them. They're just mm -hmm. people I know or sometimes people I don't know. So you're, yeah, you're, 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 you're like slimming down that community so that it's just hyper-focused, hyper-targeted. You feel comfortable. You feel like it's like just a group of friends at the end of the day, which is what social was originally supposed to accomplish anyways. It's obviously exactly. strayed from that. And, and, and just on a single topic. So it's, it's yeah. kind of stripped down to the bare essentials. You know, there's is something generational that is, is interesting. Um, like if I'm looking at my Instagram and there are posts about, climate change or the war in Ukraine or um, gun violence in schools, it depresses me, but it it sort of stops there. When you talk to Sophia or her friends, they have this overwhelming sense that they need to do something about these things, that um, mm -hmm. this this sort of, it's, it's something around the activism and um, of, of somebody at that age and, and uh, you know, the sense that like, if your generation doesn't fix climate change, we're all doomed as a planet. And, you know, I see it. And I'm like, yeah, that sucks. Like that, you know, that's, that's terrible. But um, I sort of move on to the next photo. But for you, it, it puts you and I think your generation into this deep funk that is, it, you know, is, is much greater. Yeah. yeah and very I guess that's why I describe it as like a, more of a stressor than a depressor is it makes me sad, I guess, but it, it makes me way more stressed than it does sad because it's about the future. And that's definitely something that weighs on me is this idea of having to fix these problems, or at least having my generation fix these problems when it's stuff that we don't even fully understand because we're not out of high school yet. So I'd say that's definitely something that weighs on me with social media and is something that makes this environment so much more stressful. Do you remember a couple months ago when that, uh, that uh, whistleblower leaked those yeah. documents yeah. from Facebook and right. And I, and I, I went to, you know, I was like, you know, okay, there's this internal research at Facebook that says that, you know, Facebook and Instagram are stressful. And, she, and so he was like, <laughs> uh, yeah, like <laughs> I didn't need a whistleblower to tell me that. I've been telling you yeah, that. 100%. Well, I think you're in, I think, I don't know if you thought, thought through this, but you're in a unique position because Spencer, you have an incredible track record. Sophia, you're building out an awesome app and you're in a unique position to to recreate what social media should be if you do this if you do this properly and you do this at scale like i really believe that social can be positive like positive and i think that you could be in a unique position to we could start with this one obviously <laughs> but um you can do more than this you can create other vertical specific communities on social and i think that this could as, like you mentioned a few other names of i can't remember all of them out uh, the ones that are already out there but this could be um, this could be an incredible like new wave of or new age of social media, which is actually accomplishing what it was meant to accomplish. Because I don't think when you know social media 1.0 came out, so to speak, um, people could really understand that opening up wide communities and these algorithms that sort of promote certain types of content and these echo chambers that people fall into in social. I don't think people could ever understand that that's where it would end up going. So mm -hmm. I think that you're almost like let's try this again. Let's redo this and let's do it right this time because we're very cognizant of of what these like wide open communities with no guardrails we we know where that could go. So let's like rope it in a little bit and then we're going to 
sort of like optimize for positivity and community and true social versus just optimize for reach and and almost like a, like um what's the word like a, like an addictive behavior which is yeah. what the first social optimized for exactly and i see such a I, social media is such a powerful tool i see such a bright future for it it's had a great past if you look at the entirety of social media it's such a powerful tool because you can connect with friends family people who you haven't connected with in such a long time you get to share accomplishments achievements that you're proud of it gives you such a sense of pride and it's such a powerful tool to connect people across borders across countries across worlds um there's such a there's such potential there it's such a powerful yeah. tool but the way that it's currently being implemented and executed is not um it's not maximized for user success and enjoyment. It's maximized yeah. for clicks, likes, views, time spent on app. And so that's something that we really want to address because at least personally, I believe that social media is a powerful tool. And when people say social media is bad, my the little voice in the back of my head isn't saying, then get off of it. It's saying, well, then do something about it because yeah. I don't like it when people tell me to get off social media because that's not a viable part of my, like, I, I don't think I could not because I'm addicted to it but because it's, it's reality. It's, it's everywhere. My yeah. life it's everywhere. Exactly. So I really hope that the future of social media is something in which we can all enjoy it and continue to use it. And it's a positive thing and not a negative thing. I mean, the algorithms in horizontal social media are designed to maximize outrage because Outrage is what drives engagement and usage and virality. And so they surface content that is outrageous. And a good litmus test, by contrast, when thinking about recon food is your 10 year old sister who loves recon food. And we don't let her on Instagram or TikTok or Snapchat yet because she's too young. But recon food is very popular among young people, 10, 11, 12 year olds and their friends because it is just pictures of food and um, you know, they don't have to worry about how they look when they take snap a picture of something that they've baked. They don't have to worry about if they're on a fancy enough vacation, um, you know, which is something that people feel a lot of stress about on Instagram and they don't have to worry about reading the news that Instagram or Facebook surfaces to them, yeah. um, you know, with in these horizontal social media networks. So if it's, if it can make a 10 year old happy, then it can probably make a 46 year old happy or a 16 year old happy. Um, and it will hopefully be a, uh, you know, a, a place that people can come and, and enjoy one another's company and reconnect over. Food. Yeah. Amazing. Um, I want to do a couple rapid fire questions for both of you just to pull out some last insights um, for the audience. But before I pivot, uh, where should people go? Where are the socials that you want to send people so you can drop your own socials, uh, recon food? Where do they get that website, app store, whatever? So you can download recon food in the Apple iOS app store. Um, it's currently iOS only. We're working on expanding to Android, hopefully sometime soon-ish. Um, my social media accounts are all Sophia Raskoff. You can follow me there or um, follow me on LinkedIn, I guess, if you want to get professional updates and uh, Twitter to stay posted, to um, to stay tuned for new features, new developments. Yeah, Recon Food in the iPhone App Store and I'm at Spencer Raskoff on all socials. Okay, perfect. Okay, let's do a couple rapid fire to pull out some some last uh, insights from you. Um, you can both take these or you can you can bounce them back and forth, whatever you want. So uh, biggest challenge that you've overcome in your personal or professional life? What was it? How'd you overcome it? What did it teach you? 
Um, biggest challenge in my personal life was the loss of my brother when I was 15 and he was 17 and he was killed in a car accident. And um, how did I overcome it? Um, probably still working on that on some level, but um, you know, stayed very close with my family and recommitted to work, which was an outlet for me uh, in high school and college, and then in my career. Top that one. Yeah. <laughs> you can't you can't drop your 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 childhood trauma on your daughter. That's not fair. Um, <laughs> I don't. I don't want to be like, I don't think I have any, because I definitely have had challenges, but I don't think there's been anything. How about moving to a new city? I, yeah, okay. I guess that's a challenge. Okay, I can use that one. Um, definitely moving, coming out of fifth grade, going into sixth grade in Los Angeles. Um, it was challenging to leave my friends behind, especially at a time before we had social media, uh, before we had phones, so I couldn't really stay connected with anyone, or at least I didn't end up staying connected closely with them. Um, difficult coming into a new school in sixth grade. It was a K through sixth grade school and I was a new sixth grader. So I'm not an incredibly outgoing or social person. So that was a bit of a struggle for me. Um, and how I overcame it or solved it, I guess, definitely throwing myself into school activities. It's something I still do to this day. I love using school activities and resources and extracurriculars to get to know my peers, get involved in the school community, um, that's something that I've always loved. And that's definitely something that I started then. Very good. Um, obviously, there's been many people in both of your lives that have had a huge impact, mentors, uh, peers, um, a variety of people. So who was one person? You have to pick one. One person that's had an incredible impact. Who was that person? What did they teach you? Uh, I'll go first. That's, that way I can grab your mom uh, first. So uh, <laughs> my wife, I've been with for almost 30 years since we were 17. Um, definitely the most important person in my life and impactful. Uh, what I've learned from her is the importance of hard work. I've seen her have lots of successes and failures and challenges through a long medical career. And um, I've also learned from her the importance of empathy and communication. Uh, her patients constantly are awed by her communication skills and her bedside manner. And that's something that both Sophia and I learn from because we both tend to be a little bit robotic. Um, and we, we both benefit from having her in our lives and teaching us the importance of EQ, not just IQ. Very good. Um, well, if you took that one, I guess I have to take you then. Um, <laughs> what did you, what did you I, learn from your dad? And, and maybe you, you have to Spencer, like cover your ears. Just, no. <laughs> well, I've been learning from him for definitely my whole life. Um, that's how I first got exposed to entrepreneurship, the entrepreneurial world, of course. Um, tech news at the breakfast table when I was like eight years old, I think. Uh, started learning about stuff uh, early, quite early, right then. Um, I think, do I say he or you? I'll say you. Um, I think you're such a like legendary figure almost, even in my high school. So we went to the same high school, or I go to the same high school that he went to. There are plaques on the walls of the schools with his name on it from when he was <laughs> essentially the class president. Um, yeah, so it yeah. feels like I live with a bit of a ghost at school. Every activity I do, um, there's definitely a presence there, especially with something that you were involved in. But I think that's something that's a positive for me. It gives me something to live up to. Um, I feel like I take a lot of skills from you in the, we, we have very similar mannerisms and, personalities especially in the business way where we're very much 
get stuff done like um I can't like you dive into stuff. You just, I know yeah. you dive into stuff because you're yeah. doing this yeah. now. So like Take, you dive into stuff. Yeah. Um, and I think I just, I've learned so much about that. And I think that's definitely where I've gotten a lot of my personality and I've become so inspired. Amazing. And that's not a bad thing. I think that you'll, you'll definitely, you'll definitely have a couple plaques on walls yourself if you keep this up. <laughs> for sure. Um, okay. Uh, next question, a book or podcast or audible, something you'd recommend people go check out. Um, oh, a book that I would recommend is the Instagram No Filter book. I read that maybe two years ago, um, and it was super interesting to me reading. This was before I actually started Recon Food, or maybe maybe at the early days. So I was an early founder. Reading about Instagram's founding was super interesting to me, getting to read through their process, their story. Um, and I'm definitely looking for similar books that are about the founding story because I find that so interesting and trying to see what I can learn from their tactics and their founding ideas is something that I was definitely on the lookout for. Very good. Uh, I'm almost done with Eric Schmidt, the former CEO of Google, his book about with Henry Kissinger about AI. And it's a really fascinating book about the history of AI and the present and more importantly, the future of artificial intelligence and where it's taking us as a society. And it has some pretty concerning and scary implications. So uh, those are those are actually two books that haven't been recommended on this show yet. So those are good right. good recommendations. <laughs> Thank you. Um, if you okay, so this is this this question is gonna you're throwing a wrench in this question for me, Sophia. So the question is, what would you tell your twenty year old self? But you're not there yet. So Spencer, a question applies to you, but then Sophia, what would you tell what would you tell yourself, uh, knowing what you know now, versus when you first started your entrepreneurial journey? Um, it's going to be hard, uh, surround yourself with people that can make you better and can complement your skill set with their skill set. That usually means diverse people. Um, and it's going to be worth it because the struggle and the challenge is what it's all about. It's the journey, not the destination. For me, I'd say... Yeah, definitely on that hard work piece. Um, it takes a lot of work and a lot of hours. And so I guess a piece of advice that I give myself is to put in even more time because with a startup, there's just an unlimited amount of work that you could do to make it successful. There's never a stopping point. There's never a, like, I checked all the boxes for today. Guess I'll see you tomorrow. Um, so I think that's been the most unique experience for me starting this is getting to experience that, which isn't something that you learn in school because with school, it's typically you, you did this assignment check, you're done next class. Um, so I think the piece of advice that I'd give myself or what I would tell myself is just to try to better understand that experience and make the most of the time that you have to put even more time into the experience. Incredible advice. And then the last question is, what does success mean to you? Success means being proud of the effort that I put in and the team that I accomplished, whatever we accomplished with together and learning along the way so that, um, you know, out the other end, I'm an improved person and the people that are around me are improved from the journey that we were on together. Um, 
to me, I'd say getting to make an impact on others or create a positive change in some way. Um, I love creating positive outcomes and helping people achieve the best, the very best thing that we can for my team and for the audience itself. And so I guess I'd say that um, sort of moment of success is at the end of that journey where you feel like you've created a positive a positive experience or a positive change in some way. I know a lot of entrepreneurs listen to this show and NetSuite has been a huge supporter for entrepreneurs, for business owners, because there's one thing that we all know. Business is about making money and it's about your bottom line. And the less you spend on the nuts and bolts of running your business, the more profits you keep. But these days, everything is costing more. Supplies, people, shipping. It squeezes your margins. And I've been there juggling multiple systems for finance, inventory, you name it each with its own costs and its own set of headaches. That's why I made the switch to NetSuite by Oracle. It's changed our company. Think about it. NetSuite is one of the top financial systems out there. It puts your whole business on one platform, accounting, finance, the works, one data source for everyone. There's no more mismatched info. And because it's in the cloud, it slashes your IT costs. No more servers, no more updates. Just access NetSuite from anywhere. With one integrated suite, your overhead drops big time. And here's the real win. Efficiency. Everything's connected in NetSuite. Costs are ridiculous lately. Find a proven way to reduce your expenses and get better performance out of your team. It's a no-brainer, and that's what NetSuite offers. Over 37,000 companies have figured this out already. You have to join them. Right now, through to April 15th, NetSuite's got an incredible, flexible financing plan. Check it out and see the savings yourself at netsuite.com slash scottclary. That's netsuite.com slash scottclary. Hiring as a small business owner is a major pain. That's why LinkedIn is supporting today's episode. You need people with the right skills and experience, but finding them can take forever. It is incredibly frustrating to keep seeing candidates who just aren't a good fit, and that's why LinkedIn Jobs has been a game changer. Let me tell you a little story. We needed to hire a graphic designer, somebody with specific tech and software knowledge and the ability to truly understand our brand. And I started with all the usual job boards, and it's the same old story. Tons of irrelevant applications. No one's really matching my needs. I tried LinkedIn Jobs, and the quality of candidates was just on another level. People with impressive portfolios, relevant expertise. I finally felt like I was interviewing the right people. That's truly the power of LinkedIn's massive professional network. You're tapping into this huge pool of talent you simply wouldn't find on other sites. It's about finding those niche candidates you actually need. And with the right people in front of you, hiring becomes a breeze. Did you know that 86% of small businesses find a qualified candidate on LinkedIn jobs within 24 hours. That is how well their system works. Honestly, do yourself a favor and try LinkedIn jobs next time you're hiring. You can post your job for free at linkedin.com slash excellence. That's linkedin.com slash excellence. Terms and conditions apply, but it's definitely worth trying out.
I don't know about you, but the idea of being harassed, scammed, or even worse, all because somebody found my personal information online, that's terrifying. Our political opinions, our addresses, even stuff about our families, it's out there for anyone to grab. And did you know that data brokers are allowed to sell information on over 98% of Americans? It's scary stuff. That's why I've partnered with Delete Me. I personally use Delete Me. They're a big friend of the podcast because I put myself out there online. So safety is a huge concern. It's really scary how easy it is to find someone's details and information, but Delete Me creates a layer of protection that we all need. You tell Delete Me what you want gone, and they make it disappear from those sketchy data broker sites. And Delete Me doesn't stop. They constantly monitor the web to keep your information off those lists. It's like having a privacy watchdog that never sleeps. You need to take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me. They're giving a special discount for all Success Story podcast listeners. Get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeletemecom slash success and use promo code success at checkout. The only way to get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash success and enter code success at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash success. Hey everyone, I just want to take a second and thank the sponsor of today's episode, Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond Bourbon. Now I don't have a lot of liquor sponsors on this show. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond is actually one of my favorites. I've drank it for a few years now, and this is why we actually decided to work together. Heaven Hill Distillery, family-owned since 1935, is a great entrepreneur story, too. So there's five brothers. They filled their first whiskey barrels back in 1935, and their legacy still lives on today. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond is aged over seven years. That's three more than required by the Bottled and Bond Act of 1897. This means the best quality, the best purity, and the best consistency. This is not just average bourbon. It's the winner of the double gold medals at multiple 2023 World Spirits competitions, and they've won the very prestigious Triple Still Award. It's a very big deal in the liquor and bourbon world. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond boasts an exceptionally smooth oak flavor, while its aroma offers a sweet blend of caramel and smooth vanilla. If you love bourbon, you need to try Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond. Available nationally, look for a bottle at your local store. Heaven Hill reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Think back to your last few days in the office. Did any of them leave you feeling really accomplished? Not the kind of day where you're running around like crazy, but where you've made real progress on something that matters. Because being busy doesn't always mean being productive. And I bet you we've all been there. And maybe it's time to rethink what it means to get things done. Today's episode is sponsored by Belay, and what they help you do is, instead of getting sucked into emails and to-do lists, they help you delegate tasks and focus on big goals. They can connect you with top-notch US-based talent who are ready to take on those time-consuming tasks that bog you down. Let's be real. There are way more important things you could be doing than bookkeeping or wrangling a packed inbox. They have virtual assistants to handle all of those pesky administrative tasks or accounting professionals to take care of all your financials. But here's the best best part. You don't have to waste weeks searching for the right person. Belay's personalized matching service works quickly, sometimes matching you with the right talent to take stuff off your plate in under a week. Are you ready to try a different way of working? Check out Belay's list of the top 25 things you can delegate to a virtual assistant. It might just change your business and your life. Text success, that's S-U-C-C-E-S-S to 55123 to get the list and to start transforming your to-do list with Belay. 